So Psalm 119, starting in verse 1, says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies, and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity, they walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed, when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart, when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes. O forsake me not utterly. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, by taking heed thereto according to thy word? With my whole heart have I sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hidden my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in the in thy statutes, I will not forget thy word. I'm just going to pray and then we'll continue. Lord, as we're looking at your word, Lord, and this chapter in particular that speaks of your word in nearly every verse of the very long chapter of Psalms, help us, Lord, to see the importance of it this morning. Um, Lord, guide us in understanding that and in understanding you through it. So we just commit our time to you, Lord. I just ask for guidance as I speak this morning that you would just give me words to be an encouragement and a help this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So if you pay attention as you read this chapter, every single verse except for two of them, in some way make reference to the word, the law, the statutes, some reference to the Bible. And this is, I don't know if it's the longest chapter in the Bible or not, I didn't look that up, but there are 176 verses in this chapter, and only two of them don't make some reference to God's word. And I've known that as a, as a fact for many years. And as I read my Bible and read through this chapter, I always have that in the back of my mind that just to try to watch for those two verses. And I think most times I've only ever caught one of them as I've read through. But I think something about that is with that thought in my mind, it's actually forcing me to try to pay attention more to what each verse says. And so you're actually, it's causing me to focus and not just, I, I don't know how many people have what I have as far as my ability to, to pay attention to when I'm reading. I struggle with paying attention to what I'm actually reading. My mind will... I can be 
having an entire different, I can be planning how I'm building something or how I'm fixing something or <laughs> some trip I'm going to go. Like, and I can read chapter after chapter and not have a clue what I've just read about because my mind was somewhere else. And so something like that of when I get to this chapter and I, I have in my mind to watch for this specific thing. It helps me to focus, and it helps me to pay attention to what it is that I'm reading. I preached a message very, very similar to this, and I don't even know which year. I'm thinking three years ago, and I've probably made mention of similar things pretty much every New Year's. But I think it's worth at least once a year to preach a message like this of the importance of reading God's Word. Verses this morning in Psalm chapter 1 point us to a couple of things that I think we should realize, we should get this into our minds of the importance of reading God's Word. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So when I'm sitting reading my Bible and thinking of something else, it really ought to be the other way around. Is when I'm doing something else, I should be thinking about what I read in my Bible. That's what this is saying. That is what we need to train our brains to do. It says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. You know, everything else in our life will prosper if we focus on God first. That's what he's saying. This is, we can actually be fruitful in the things that we do in life, when we put God first. And verse 4 says, the ungodly are not so. There's a difference between God's people who do and live the way God says. When we focus our attention on reading his word and studying and meditating on it and molding our life to match it, God will cause the rest of us. Remember Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. We've got to get our focus in the right place. And that's not, it's not to say, you know, the richest people in the world aren't a bunch of the godliest people in the world. I hate to say that. I hate to break that to you. Bill Gates is not the holiest Christian in the world just because he's a... Is he again? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not like this is, you can't prosper economically or in this world, but there's an eternity of prospering that we can do, and we need to lay up our treasures in heaven not in earth, right? There's a, there's a difference here. I'm not just, I'm not speaking of wealth and prosperity in this world. 
although there's an implication to a, a level of that in some of these verses. I'm going to flip around a little bit. I'm going to go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now, we have a tendency, we, I don't know, I don't know how broad this thing of making a New Year's resolution is. It's certainly a North American thing. Um, And we have a tendency to make New Year's resolutions on the same thing year after year because we haven't accomplished it the previous year, right? And one of those, I do have some kind of notes here. The top 10. Number one is to exercise more. Number two, very closely associated, lose weight. And then get, out, get organized, learn a new skill or hobby, live life to the fullest, save more money or spend less money. Quit smoking, spend more time with family and friends, travel more, or read more. These are the top 10 things that people resolve to do. And exercise more is right at the top of this list. And so when we turn to 1 Timothy 4, verse 7, it says, But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So bodily exercise will give you a healthier life, right? If, if we exercise and keep our body in good condition, there, there is a benefit to that. We can more easily reach our feet to put our socks on in the morning <laughs> and we can get up without everything hurting and we can go and, and enjoy doing things more though more so than if we're not physically healthy and so there is a benefit to bodily exercise and so he's saying it but it profiteth little there is there is a benefit but it's it's marginal compared to spiritual exercise, godliness, exercising in godliness, which will profit, says unto all things, having a promise of the life that now is, godliness will improve our life now, in this physical body, in this living a godly, righteous life will, will benefit us. But it also says, and of that which is to come. You can exercise and eat and do every right thing physically to be the healthiest you can be, and you might add a couple of years to your life, but that is the absolute extent to it. There's not a, a single person alive that's 100 and... I don't, I don't know what the oldest person is, but there's certainly nobody 120 years old right now. And there's not going to be. <laughs> I've heard recently of they're, they're trying to increase lifespan. They think they can make people live to be 120. Well, if they accomplish that, they haven't accomplished much, have they? No. <laughs> In comparison to eternity. And 
this is what this is talking about is godliness is good now but it's good forever <laughs> it'll guide us in eternity there's a life after this that lasts a whole lot longer than this physical life and so all this exercise that we do physically all the good healthy eating all the things that we make resolutions to do in the new year have a little bit of benefit but it's very minimal because it's we have a limited amount of time in this physical body but there is an eternity afterwards and that depends on what we do with godly things second timothy 2.15 tells us that we are to study to show ourselves approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. God wants us to study. And it calls you a workman. That's all of us, not just the preacher. <laughs> We're to study. What are we supposed to study? We're supposed to study God's word. That's what he's speaking of, rightly dividing the word of truth. We're supposed to know what's in this book. And the only... When I first started teaching Sunday school, the only way I could make a lesson was to have... I have a, I have a book at home that when you look at it on the shelf, it looks like it says Tropical Bible Index. It says Topical Bible Index, but... Everybody reads tropical in there. <laughs> but it's a topical Bible. It's like, I would look through that and, okay, I want to talk about this. And I would go there and it would give me a bunch of Bible references on that topic. But it wasn't complete. And you can do the same now with Google or whatever search engine. You can search Bible topics. And I use that. I don't know off heart every verse in the Bible, but I've found that the more I've read my Bible, the more I've studied my Bible, I can make a lesson, and I can write a, a sermon without having to, to go to these other references. I haven't picked up that topical Bible index in ages now, because I already have verses pop into my head, and yeah, I usually have to use a, a concordance of some sort to find where those verses are, but there will be a, a word or a phrase in a verse somewhere that has popped into my head on that topic. And then I have references to, to add to that, but the more you study and read, the more that stuff comes and it's there. And it's useful. When we were... had these teens at Bible camp would come to me with countless issues and questions. And not in my own wisdom, I could never answer these things. But God would always give me some scripture verse. I could turn in my Bible to give an answer to the need, whatever the question is. But that only comes from reading and studying. And if you haven't done that, you won't know what God's Word says to be able to help with these different circumstances, to be able to answer these different questions. If we go to the book of Proverbs, 
after Psalms. Proverbs chapter 8. By the way, they say that um, about 65 or so percent of people, North Americans anyway, make a New Year's resolution. Less than 8% fulfill that resolution. (laughs) It's not very good odds. And I think as a Christian... It wouldn't, like, one of the the last thing on this list was to read more. As a Christian, it would be a good thing, and it it is a good thing, if, you know, if I look back at my year and, like, well, I wasn't very consistent reading my Bible this year. I'm going to try to make this coming year better. I'm going to make a resolution to read more of my Bible this year. And so that's kind of where I'm, I'm focused this morning is, to make that as our goal for this year is to to read our Bibles. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17 says, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Where's it seek God early? Psalm 63, verse 1. says, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. It says, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. Are you hungry for God? Are you hungry to learn what God has for you? We should have a desire when we wake up in the morning to get into God's word and to to start our day right. To start our day in a positive way of reading the Bible and spending some time in prayer with God. That's the picture that we see through scripture and various examples, um, Daniel is a great example of that as well. But David says it outright in these verses, and Solomon said it in Proverbs, Early will I seek thee. What is it going to take to make us that hungry, that thirsty for God? Look at Hosea. If you can find it. Hosea chapter 5. Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea. Hosea chapter 5, verse 15. God is speaking to Hosea. Um, but through Hosea to to the people of Israel. And this is the time of their captivity. Things are not good for the people of Israel at this time. 
But Hosea chapter 5, verse 15, he says, I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In their affliction, they will seek me early. Is it going to take God? says, I will go and return to my place. God's taking his presence from the people of Israel away. He says, I'm going back home. And you're going to be left on your own without me. Until they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. That was God's way of getting his people's attention. This is what we say when, when we're praying for people in their afflictions. God might have a purpose in that. This might be God's plan in their life. And we're praying for this thing to go away. We need to be praying that they will respond to whatever God is looking to get their attention for in their life. It says, in their affliction, they will seek me early. Is it going to take affliction to cause us to seek God early? Let's hope not. Let's hope we have that, that hunger like David had that doesn't take problems in our life to cause us to go to God. In 2 Peter chapter 1, I've gone to this verse numerous times over the last couple of years, this passage here. But on this topic, it's very important. Second so Peter chapter 1, verse 16 says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice, which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn, and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. God inspired the words of this book. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. But I think what's, that's a, that's a very important thing for us to realize. But I think what's more important for us to realize, Peter is describing um, the Mount of Transfiguration, that they were standing there with Jesus when this brightness came on them and the voice of God was heard in their ears, and they heard God speaking, declaring who Christ was. But he says in verse 19, 
We, we were eyewitnesses in verse 16, but in verse 19 he says we have a more sure word of prophecy. He says, I don't care what I saw, what I heard, saw with my eyes, heard with my own ears, touched with my own hands, is irrelevant if it doesn't match what Scripture says. So, if you come to me telling me that you dreamed some dream, or that you had some vision, or that you heard God's voice, I really don't care. <laughs> I'm sorry to say, but I give no credence to any of that, unless it lines up exactly, exactly with what Scripture already says. Because that is our more sure word. We can't trust our own senses. We can't... It says to try the spirits. If that voice that we hear says anything other than what the Bible says, it's not God's voice. And how do... You know, people get this impression that just because they heard a voice or saw a vision or dreamed a dream, that it's from God. And it's not necessarily from God, even though it may claim to be. It may give you the impression that it is. But Peter points us to a more sure word, that we need to look at that Bible and see that these are the words that we need to trust. This is where we learn who God is, not from our dreams and God uses dreams. God uses visions and will speak to us. There's no question about that, but it doesn't go outside of and contradict his actual word. This is where we need to turn to for a sureness of that. When we go to John chapter 8, John chapter 8, verse 31 says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If you continue in my word, you will know the truth. That's where we find the truth of God, is in God's word. We shouldn't be looking elsewhere to learn about God. It's, we don't look to man and we don't look to divisions and dreams and all these different things. We can just look to his word and we will learn the truth. And it says the truth shall set you free. captives in our sinful flesh we're a captive we're condemned to an eternity in hell but the truth can set us free we can learn of a truth of who Christ is Jesus is the son of God God in the flesh and that he came for the purpose of dying in our place as payment for our sin and that I can receive forgiveness of my sins through just 
nothing other than believing that. <laughs> there is nothing else I can do. And that's where I find, this book is where I can find that as a truth. We, you, you go around the world, there's countless people claiming all kinds of truths and claiming all kinds of paths to heaven. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me, but by the truth of his word. There is no other truth. There isn't my truth and your truth. There is just the truth. There is one truth. And we can find the truth of God in that book. I don't know if I can find it here. We need to read our Bible to know who God is. If Sunday morning, me speaking to you, and I give you as much Bible as I possibly can on Sunday morning, but that's not enough. If that's the only time you get Bible going into you, that is not enough. We need to make a habit of reading the Bible. I just looked up the, the concepts of these things change over time as people do different studies. It used to be something about 21 days is what it, of doing something is what it takes to create a habit. Well, now they've studied further. It says it takes from 18 to 254 days. I don't know about 253 wasn't enough and 255 was too many. I don't know. But it takes from 18 to 254 days. That's, that's a, quite a span for a person to form a new habit. It takes the same to break a habit, by the way. If you stop doing something for 18 days or 17 days, <laughs> this is 18 to, right? So if we stop doing something for 17 days, it's easy to fall back into doing that thing. But if we can stop doing it for 250 days, if we can stop something for a year, it's a lot easier to stay away from doing that thing. So we can use that concept. And we need to, it's important for us to understand some of these things. Sometimes we, like, I haven't done this thing in weeks. And all of a sudden, here I am back doing the same sin that I was doing before. Well, if we understand that it takes longer than two weeks to break a habit. <laughs> Sometimes we need to fight we need to have a, a real change in our life to get rid of some of the things that we need to get rid of. And it might take most of a year for those desires and that, that habit. And I've, I've done a little bit of um, studying on, on habits and how to break them. And It takes time, and it, it takes a change of behavior. And one of the things that habits or causes us to revert back to a habit is the things. If you think of the a person who drinks, 
or smokes. Maybe smoking is an even better one. There's circumstances that lead to the moment when you desire a cigarette. And so it's a matter of understanding what is it is in my life, what are the routines or the things happening that cause me to go and do this, whether it's taking a cigarette or a drink or, or whatever the sin might be. Sometimes these things that become a habit have circumstances tied to it that bring us to that point. And if we can identify those, it gives us the ability to recognize that I'm about to be tempted to go and do this. And I can intercept that if I understand what it is that is taking me down that road. If I, if I can recognize the things that are taking me there before I actually even get to the point of being tempted to do the, the habit, I could intercept it and change that. And we can put something else in its place. And so that's just something that people have studied and, and have found to be a way of succeeding in getting rid of habits that we don't want. And then, but I'm talking about creating a habit. I want you to create a habit of when you wake up in the morning, before you go and do anything else, you should be picking up our Bible and starting to read. That should be the first thing you do in the morning. Before breakfast, before all of the other things and I've I've said before my life when I was working I still I have a hard time getting up um, and so my my reading time was typically in the evening but that wasn't the right thing for me to do it was better than not doing it but it's not the scriptural way the scriptural way is to start your day to be hungry. When I got up this morning, I was hungry. <laughs> Not spiritually. I was physically hungry. Because I hadn't eaten in how many hours? Well, it should be the same spiritually. Is I should be hungry come morning to get back into that book and to start reading. I don't know how many... I'm, I won't get you to put up your hands or anything, but I wonder how many people have read their entire Bible? Have you sat in a, in a period of time, like a year or whatever it is, and read through your entire Bible? And you ask, um, I didn't look up the, the stats on it this, for this time, but you look up statistics on Christians who read their entire Bible or who read daily, the numbers are incredibly low. The, the average Christian hasn't read their entire Bible. Do you know what it takes to read through the Bible? If you read a little bit each day, do you know how much time it takes? It's approximately 15 minutes a day. Isn't it sad that the average Christian won't take 15 minutes of the 24 hour? How many minutes are in a day? There's a lot of minutes in a day. And yet the average Christian won't take 15 minutes of that to spend in God's word, to learn of the God that they say they serve in their life. We need to change our habits and have a habit of reading God's word.
I just um, recently found a, a YouTube uh, channel where it's, I think it's called A Year Through the Word. And it's a pastor, obviously the southern states from his accent. <laughs> but he sits and every day for the last year, he has sat and read a portion of the Bible for approximately 15 minutes. And he puts it on the screen what he's reading. So the first time I didn't realize that when I first went to it, because I grabbed my Bible and I just read along with my Bible. And the next time I happened to notice that, oh, he's got it right on the screen. You're better off to pick up your Bible and, and, and read in your actual physical Bible. But um, and that's just this past week or so that I found this guy and he wasn't 100% consistent. I think he normally posts like around midnight or probably like the day before in the evening. But one day it was like late afternoon before he posted his new video. So that early morning reading, if that's, if that was your, your source of your reading wasn't going to happen first thing in the morning that day. I don't know what happened. You didn't say, but, um, but I did find, I, I subscribed and I put the notification bell and now every morning, as long as he's consistent in his posting of the video, every morning I get a notification on my phone to tell me to go and read my Bible. And he's sitting there reading along. And I, I've been doing it just as a, just to, for the sake of following what he was doing. Um, and I actually really enjoyed reading along with him. And I like the way that he's doing it. And over the years... When I started off, I always felt like I should read. I hated the jumping around. There's different. There's all kinds of different Bible reading schedules, and they break it up into different sections. And I always hated jumping from one to another. And I would start in Genesis, and I would read through to Revelation. But what really bothered me, and I've done it for, for years that way, but what bothered me was the time span between reading my New Testament and then by the time I got to the New Testament again, it just seemed like such a long expanse of time. <laughs> and so where I, I actually kind of appreciate now, and he's doing, uh, he was doing his old, reading through the Old Testament. And I, I assume, I haven't really gone back to check, but I assume he did it in order. But he would read it two or three chapters of the Old Testament, and then he'd read a chapter of the New Testament. And so you get both at the same time, and you don't get that expanse of time where you're not in that section of the Bible. Um, but that's just, and I just kind of grabbed that and I followed along with it as an example of here's a source of inspiration, a way of creating a habit. You know, the, and it had only been a couple of days that I'd been following this, but that day that he didn't post early, I found myself looking for it. I went to his channel to see, oh, did I not get the notification? And like, what, what happened? Why isn't it there? And I actually looked several times through the day wondering what happened. There was something that created a, a hunger <laughs> to get that back. And so creating something in our life that causes us 
to, and points us to doing that. And when it disappears, you'll miss it. You notice the difference. And so um, our technology now allows us to create that on our own. I don't have to, I don't have to depend on a YouTube channel and, you know, he's commented at the end of his last couple of readings that next year, you know, he's, he's done this for an, an entire year. He's not going to continue and start reading over again and posting new videos. All the videos are there for every day of the year. But you know what's wrong is that you can no longer just hit the bell and have the notification pop up because it's the old videos. So it won't automatically send you this notification to, to follow along. So you have to actually go and dig in and, and go and find it and do it purposely. Um, but we can create those reminders. I don't know anybody that doesn't have a phone of some sort or a smartphone or a tablet or, or some device that they're using. And we can create, um, I don't know all these things because I don't use it for this. <laughs> There you go. We could depend on our cat to wake us up in the morning. Uh, I don't know where it is. Oh, there it is. Just a, just a, and here's just a couple of examples. Our Google, Google Calendar can set a recurring notification of it's time, right? It's time to, and we do that, um, Paul, sets an alarm on his phone every, not on Google Calendar, he just sets an alarm on his phone. It's time to go and put the chickens away. Well, why can't we set an alarm? It's time to sit down and read my Bible. If, if that's what it takes, is for you to have your device tell you that it's time to do that, and it shouldn't take that, but if it does, do it. <laughs> Use what we have available, we can have Google Calendar. There's Google Now, personal assistant that provides information and reminders. There's all kinds of, I don't even know what this is, boomerang for Gmail. You can schedule email reminders to yourself. <laughs> and you know what's sad is that most of us, every time this thing makes a sound, most of us pull it out and look to see what it's making for a sound or why it's making that sound, right? So let's, let's use it for a better purpose. And if it's making that sound to remind us that it's time to read your Bible. It, it's sad that we have to be like that, but sometimes we just have to be like that. Don't... What I'm saying is that if, if you're going to neglect reading because you didn't set an alarm it's better to set the alarm <laughs> to get the notification to tell you that it's time and then do it. Don't swipe the thing away and ignore it. Set the time. Be diligent in making that time and read. And so I, I have had a hard time finding um, actual 
schedules that I like. And I've, I've printed some in the past and there's still a bunch of them sitting in the back um, thing there. For people who, particularly younger people, people who don't read much, there's a, a New Testament um, Bible reading thing. And this is a five by five by five. And what it is this? It's five minutes a day, five days a week. We'll read you through your New Testament easily. And the, the third five is on this schedule. It says five ways to dig deeper. And it just gives you some ideas of what to try to, to do, how to think through, and get some more focus on what it is that we're reading. And so there's a, a New Testament reading schedule. I did this one, I think it was two years ago. This is a 90-day Bible reading schedule. And this says 30 minutes a day. You can read your entire Bible in 90 days. That's three months. Half an hour a day. <laughs> That's not that much time. We should be able to do that. And I did do it, I think it was two years ago, something like that. I decided to do this. And what a difference of doing your Bible reading in, in 90 days, like read the entire Bible in 90 days. You see the whole thing within a short enough period of time that you can start to make connections that you might not make over that year's time. And so I thought that was, that was a worthwhile thing to do. Um, and then I also printed a couple more schedules. There's a 52-week Bible reading plan that I have here. And what it does is it just, each week, 52 weeks, and they're in the cross, gives the day reading is going to be for that day. And it changes. It has the epistles, the law, history, psalms, poetry, prophecy, and the gospels. So each day of the week, you're reading a different category of scripture, but covering the entire Bible. And I said, I've never, I've never liked jumping around that much, but some people really like that because of that variety that it gives them. So it's up to you. And then I found another one, Bible in a Year, and it's simply a, there's two readings, and if, if you were to do a morning and evening reading, that would be even better, and then you've got an Old Testament reading and a New Testament reading, and then so you're going to read through your Old Testament and your New Testament together at the same time. What I found was really interesting um, in this YouTube video that I've been watching and reading with. He's reading Hezekiah and Revelation at the same time. And if you've read Hezekiah and Revelation, man, there's connections there. And when you're reading them both at the same time, you start to see some connections that you might miss otherwise. And I thought that was really cool to, to be reading these two books simultaneously and, and seeing... Hezekiah is a very prophetic book, um, very old end times um, focused in a lot of it, and some of those things that it mentions, you can see the connection to what the descriptions in Revelation. And uh, I just thought that was really, really neat the way that you make those connections. Where, like I said, if you're not reading them at the same around the same time, you might not 
notice some of those connections. We need to read our Bibles. As a Christian, that should be where a good portion of our time is spent. And as Psalm, I'll read the Psalm 1 again. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. You can't meditate on something that you don't know anything about. We need to read it, and then we need to think about it. We need to spend, when, when I read it in the morning, I should be able to spend my day thinking about what I've read that morning. So as I'm going about the rest of my day, I should be able to be thinking about what I read in the Bible, as opposed to what I started with this morning when I said I had a, my natural tendency is to be thinking about my day while I'm reading my Bible. It should be the other way around. It should be thinking about my Bible as I'm going about my day. That takes effort for me, and I know it does for some of you too. Let's pray. Lord, your word is very clear that we are to get up early, to seek you early, to read your word, Lord, and to focus and meditate and think about the things that your word says to us, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you would give us a desire to do that. And Lord, help us to create a habit of our li- in our life of doing that. Um, that we would miss it if we don't do it for one day even, that we would have that desire, that hunger for your word. Lord, I just pray that this would be an encouragement and that we would dedicate ourselves to doing that this year. We pray this and commit our time to you in Christ's name. Amen.